0: this
1: Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to episode 40 of Empty Betters. I'm your host, Harrison Schultz, and I'm going to toss it over here yet again for like the 25th time in a row across the screen, Nick Minella.
2: Is it really episode 40 already? I mean, isn't that wild? Yeah, and I think half
1: of them have been remotely recorded, and that said...
2: I would say that's that's a fair estimate. Um, how's it going, guys? I'm, I'm doing well. I... Uh, I think I've now exceeded my driving places limit for the summer, and I don't want to see the inside of a car again for <laughs> months. Uh, so I just got back from Holden Beach. Uh, great time down there. Uh, it was absolutely gorgeous weather. Uh, fortunately, the hurricane did not affect where we were staying at all, so everything was perfect. So uh, yet again at the beach, I am I'm having a, a summer to remember for sure. Looking bronze, very yeah.
1: bronze. Scary bronze, oh, yeah. Runs. yeah. <laughs> I'll give it to you. You worked on your tan game looking very good. For also sure. going to toss it over here across the screen to producer Mac Vogel. How are we doing, buddy?
3: What's going on, guys? I'm doing pretty well, all things considered. But uh, definitely <laughs> as far as Caps uh, caps hockey goes. But we'll definitely get to that later. Um, but, yeah, good to be back. Wasn't here last week. But, um, yeah, good to be back. Excited to uh, excited to talk hockey. We'll, we'll leave it at that.
1: And I'm excited to listen to you guys talk hockey. I don't want to say that I'm enjoying everyone's misery, but at least, you know, I'm not the only one who had to go through this this season. So that kind of makes my heart a little warm. Call me an asshole if you want. I don't care. Um, So we're going to go over a little bit of the news around the league. I'm going to let Nick drive the bus here per usual. Nick, take it away. Well, I think I was just as shocked as you guys were when
2: this came out the other day, but the Boston Bruins starting goaltender, Tuca Rask, has opted out of the remainder of the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs. This definitely came out of left field. Uh, Rask released a statement saying that, I want to be with my team competing, but at this moment there are things more important than hockey in my life, and that is being with my family. I want to thank the Bruins and my teammates for their support and wish them the best. So... I don't know exactly what's going on here. I'm sure no one, except for probably Tuca and his family, does. Obviously, I hope everything's okay. Um, You know, Bruce Cassidy released a statement saying, you know, that they um, have exchanged messages and everyone's, you know, okay. And everyone seems like that, you know, it's trending in a positive direction. And um, he also mentioned that if, at some point Rask wanted to come back, that they would entertain what steps needed to be covered to, you know, cross that bridge if they do come to it. Um, But I just thought this was weird. Uh, Definitely something I did not see coming, and uh, it just seems like another stroke of bad luck for the team that was the best team in the NHL all season.
1: Yeah, I, I, I remember seeing a tweet, and I can't remember who tweeted it, and I'm trying to look it up on Google now, but... I think his kid was sick or it was like a baby that was sick. I can't remember. It was, it was something along those lines. Um, but going back on what you said, they did say they would welcome him back into the bubble. Um, should, you know, he'd come back and things work out. Okay. And according to W E E I, no idea, uh, no idea what that stands for, by the way, but I'm assuming it's something Boston local looking at this website, uh, Dale Arnold just published an article saying Tuka Rask opted out due to family emergency, but everything is fine now. That's actually the title of the article that was published yesterday afternoon, and it's actually talking about the plans to perhaps get him back into the lineup um, in the next week or two. So I have no idea if that's accurate or not. That's why I cite sources to make myself sound smart and cover my own ass. Um, But that's really all I got. Kind of surprising, but the Bruins didn't really seem to miss a step, to be honest with you.
3: Yeah, that's interesting. I think obviously, you know, it's great that they have Yaro Halak um, back there. What what better guy to step up? I mean, he's definitely got some, some good playoff uh, experience under his belt. But what confused me the most about the whole situation, I think, was the press conference that Rask gave either the night before or like two days before um when they were basically asking him about like how it felt playing in front of no fans and everything and how it felt out there and like you know most players are going to give the cliche answer there of like oh you know we're not worried about the fans we just want to play our game blah 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 but like Rasp was blatantly honest and literally said that like it kind of felt like exhibition hockey out there and that he just like wasn't really like he said like he basically was like I'm bored like yeah so, you know after him saying that and then like the next day or or whatever it was, a day or two after hearing that he was out, I was like, I don't know, it's kind of a bad look. Like, my initial result was like, dude, is this guy, like, just, like, not into it? That's kind of, like, disappointing. But um, obviously, you know, I can't know exactly what's going on. And so I'm not going to judge the guy. If there's stuff going on at home, then maybe there is. And, I, you know, I hope everything's okay, like you guys said, but.
1: Yeah, going back on the quote, I saw that too, and I think the timing of this was kind of uh, poor. (laughs) Like you said, kind of makes you raise your eyebrows, and the quote was a little eye-opening. Paraphrasing, but yeah, essentially he said, it doesn't feel like a playoff game, it feels like we're playing in exhibition games, there's no fans, and the intensity just isn't there. Which, you know, from a fan's perspective, it seems kind of like the exact opposite. I mean, I think uh, I've been... Reading some statistics about, you know, what has been going on since the return to play and fighting is way up, like way up as far as fights per game is concerned. Um, Exhibit A, Islanders caps game one. We'll get into that later. Uh, But yeah, I mean, fighting is way up. So just just all sort of peculiar things. And I think we should kind of just leave it at that for sure. Uh,
2: Moving on, and also, you know, this segues perfectly speaking of guys' families and, you know, guys, you know, uh, dealing with issues at home. Uh, Emily Kaplan of ESPN, uh, who I think is one of the better uh, ESPN hockey writers, uh, released an article today saying that the NHL is finalizing plans to allow family members to join players inside the respective bubble cities. Uh, So... Uh, you know, there's this is finalizing. So for the NHL, that could mean two years or that could mean two days. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt, but essentially some of the clips from the article read to join players in their hotel rooms for the conference finals in the hub city of Edmonton spouses or partners and children will need to self isolate staying at home as much as possible and avoiding unnecessary interactions with non-family members for seven days before departure and produce three negative COVID-19 tests over the seven-day period, 48 hours apart. Family members would also have to quarantine in their hotel room, not in a room with the player, but a separate one, upon arrival for four days until four negative tests have been confirmed. And then once quarantine is over, they can go into the same hotel room um, as the player. And then while in the bubble... Family members that are staying there would be subjected to daily COVID 19 testing. I mean, this just seems like, like, I know it's like family, and I know you want to see your husband. I'm sure these guys miss their kids, but oh my God, at that point,
1: is it worth it? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh my God, I got a headache just kind of <laughs> listening to you say that. But now that I'm looking at the actual text on the screen, If I'm not mistaken, one, two, three, four, five. So you're taking about nine tests in a five-day span. And then when you arrive, you have to quarantine for four days.
2: And that's without, like, obviously these guys, I mean, this isn't, you know, like, they're looking for the cheapest flight on Southwest. They're going to get their family members there pretty damn fast. But, I mean, then you just throw, like, travel logistics with children into the mix. And, um, you know, I was... I was just on a trip, uh, you know, with a bunch of families. I mean, there was a six-year-old, and six-year-olds need constant supervision. So I can't imagine what that's like. But uh, I don't know. This just seems like a, a lot for a family and, you know, for a player to go through. Like, I mean, you're going through your yeah. daily routine. Now you're worried, you know, is are my wife and children going to be able to get through these tests? And, you know, if they test negative or what if someone's spouse brings it in? I don't know. This, to me, just seems like it's going to create a lot more problems uh, than it would bring happiness, but that's my side.
3: Yeah, definitely a lot of hoops to jump through, necessary hoops, but whether they're worth it or not is definitely up for um, debate. However, I will say if I was like a kid and my dad was like potentially about to win the Stanley Cup, you bet your ass I'd take nine COVID tests in five days or whatever it is to go see it happen live. So I don't know. There's arguments for both sides, I
1: guess. Now, now keep in mind, we're we're not talking about like going to you know Miami or Vegas, or <laughs> San Diego, Edmonton, Canada.
2: Yeah, Edmonton, Canada. It, 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 I mean, we're almost towards the midpoint of August. We are at the midpoint of August. So for Edmonton, they're expecting snow pretty much any day now.
0: <laughs> oh
1: man, the travel logistics, you know. But right. even, even Toronto, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's a lot to do, but you can't leave the bubble. It's not even... I don't, I don't think
2: leave the hotel.
1: I agree with what Mac is saying, though. Like, if you have kids and stuff, then, like, yeah, I, I get that. But as far as, you know, like, maybe Fig and flying in Girlfriend Letter B, yeah, that's, maybe not. That's maybe not family members, or significant others, because they're just <laughs> significant. <laughs> Yeah, I'll get into him a little later on. I got some comments about uh, all this. I'm, I'm sure you guys saw this, the video
2: of him during the press conference that the girl was taking, and then she FaceTimes him, and he looks down at his
1: phone. Yeah, I couldn't tell if that was r- real or not, but if I hope it is.
2: I love that the top comment on the video goes, there's no way that number is saved at all.
1: <laughs> it's just like 863-418. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, I, I hope that's real because that would be an all-time story. But uh, nonetheless, be. a well a well thought out post
2: for sure. Uh, moving on, this is some really good news. Oscar Limblom has rejoined the Flyers for the postseason. He skated with the team for the first time in countless months after battling Ewing sarcoma. So it's really good to see him get back to an already dangerous Flyers team, and I, I'm sure they're you know that's just gonna throw like nitrous into their locker room. So. Um, definitely keep your eye out for Philly. Uh, this is interesting. This one, you you never know what you're going to get uh, with the NHL, and this one really, you know, came out of left field. So as reported by TMZ, the Los Angeles Kings mascot, Bailey, has been suspended indefinitely by the team following sexual assault allegations from a former
3: member of the Kings ice crew. Brutal. I mean, that's... I mean, that's fucking crazy. That's serious shit though. I mean
1: So so <laughs> what the ma- how is this fucking guy doing? Like So the mascot guy is being sued for sexual assault with one of the ice ice crew girls?
2: Yes. Huh. That's the way I understood the article.
1: So if so you found this on TMZ?
2: It was bumped up through NHL.com and linked to TMZ, I believe.
1: Really? So it
2: got that high it, up? NHL.com or ESPN.com. Oh man! Yeah.
1: Jeez. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's a serious matter. It's just the the uh, the headline is a little kind of raises your. At first, I felt like thought gritty for a sec because I saw mascot. But... No,
2: that's uh sexual assault, not child abuse.
1: Uh... <laughs> oh god! Jesus. <laughs> but that actually is a true story. Yeah. Well, what he pretty pun- punched a kid, right? Like that- allegedly,
3: allegedly <laughs> the thirteen-year-old <are> like, <laughs> or like that. How about we just freaking cancel all mascots? Who needs them, man?
1: <laughs> yeah, I kind of agree with that. I think that if do you ever like really think about like the the concept of a mascot, like what value add does that have to a to a team?
2: So yeah. to me, like college sports mascot is great. Like, yeah. Co- football like obviously I'm biased but like whenever I see Sparty like that that dude one is Jack, two, you know is awesome uh as much as I hate Ohio State Brutus the Buckeye great or um Ugga the Bulldog from Georgia um I mean these are great college mascots but I mean does anyone like <laughs> like could you name like what the Ravens mascot is does it have a name Poe. yeah uh,
1: that makes sense. That's clear. but I don't know any other name. But because, yeah. I know grit, and for as far as hockey is concerned, I know gritty. I know Slapshot. I know iceberg. That's it. I, don't, it, I mean that, that that's all I know. Yeah. So uh, they just kind of insignificant. This went way off the rails. By the way, um, <laughs> yeah. But anyways, we'll move on from that.
2: Yeah. So that was definitely eye-opening. When I was scrolling through that, I was like, okay, one of these headlines definitely doesn't belong, but whatever. Um, some injury updates. This one, uh, I'm sure you guys saw this, but if you haven't seen the little tumble that Svechnikov took the other day, uh, watch it at your own discretion. It's not very pleasant. Um, so He fell awkwardly during game against the Bruins and is unlikely to return for the remainder of that series. Uh, the coaching staff uh Brenda Moore have not really said much else around that and I think you know as far as injuries around the league go that's one of the more clear-cut ones right now where we actually did get some fucking information about it um Matt Kachuk did not play in game four against Dallas he is still listed as out but like we've said it's been really difficult to get updates on guys uh and then same series Ben Bishop was deemed unfit to play for the stars in game four against Calgary Uh, So I believe uh, Dobby, Anton Kudobin had to come in and, uh, you know, he hung in there for sure. Uh, And then the backbreaker here, uh, Nick Backstrom uh, being injured in game one against the Islanders. And obviously, as Caps fans know, he has not played since then and is in concussion protocol with pretty much no timetable for return that I have seen so there's obviously a ton of other minor injuries like guys were pretty much being listed as like day-to-day on a daily basis and then it would either flop to out or flop to in. it's just i mean it's been so difficult to keep up with and i think espn's website does a good job of cataloging all these so if you want to go take a look at that you can but those are the ones that i think we
1: thought were the ones that stand out am i right Can I add something? This doesn't have any effect on current play, but the Penguins came out today and released some injury statements. What'd you say? Malkin had surgery, right? Yeah, Yeah. but that's not the one I wanted to talk about. Oh, okay. Zach Aston-Reese, that motherfucker. Six months, six months with shoulder surgery, left shoulder. Yes. So he will not be back for the start of the year. Wow, I'm happy. if you're very happy, I was going to say. I wanted to tie it back to that rant that I had last week. I'm Like, it just makes you think. It's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have been so hard on the guy. Like, eh, he was hurt. No, like, we actually might have a decent start to the year now that he's out. So, um, <laughs> good good news in Pittsburgh.
3: Uh,
2: all righty. Well, um, I think we should get into the meat and potatoes of the episode and start to break down these series. Uh, let's start with the East for once. Um, so Philly and Montreal, the top seeded Philadelphia Flyers against the 12 seeded Montreal Canadians. Uh, the Flyers are up two games to one. Uh, this has been an, inc- it's basically a tale of two goalies here. I mean, the Flyers do have a great surrounding team, but the spotlight is on the guys in the crease. Um, Hart, twenty-three save, clean sheet last night. I mean, that was an unbelievable performance. This guy is fantastic to watch. Uh, obviously, they had their their blunder where they laid an egg, and Montreal was able to put up. I think it was five on them, five or six.
1: Sorry about that, everybody. That was a
2: that was a, a goose egg on my end. Yeah. <laughs> so. What have your guys' impressions of this series been so far, and you know, how much of it
1: have you been able to watch? So I've actually gotten to watch a, uh, a decent bit of it. Um, I missed game three. Watched the highlights, though. Hart, like you mentioned, did look really good. Getting away from the Flyers for a sec, I really, really have been impressed with Shea Weber this postseason. I mean, he has looked like the old Shea Weber that we're used to seeing from the Nashville days He's logging a ton of minutes. Uh, He is an absolute menace in front of the net, and he is strong as shit and still brings that slap shot on the power play. He's been borderline dominant, I would say. So he looks fantastic, and that's one of my biggest takeaways that um, I've noticed from the Canadians and then, obviously, you have the goaltender duel, like you mentioned, and um, that's really been the story of the series. But also, I think on the Flyers' end, someone who's really impressed me, who we already knew was good, but I guess kind of flew under my radar a little bit that we don't really talk about too much, is Provorov. He's so nasty. Yeah. Um, you know, I would feel bad mentioning how great Weber's playing without mentioning how good Provorov is. I mean, he, he really does work that power play. One of the best point guys in the league that you can have on the power play. Skates like the wind. Um, kind of a similar play style to Kale McCarr in a way. Just an unreal skater, can move the puck, not overly physical, but um, can make up for any laps or any error that they make basically because of how well they can skate. So those have been my biggest takeaways. Um, I think it's been a little closer than people would think, uh, especially since. Game two was a blowout, and game three was kind of a nail biter only one nothing game. Who you guys think is gonna win game four before we keep breaking this down
3: i kinda I kind of think the Habs might bounce back and and stick in that series um i I didn't expect them to win more than one game before the series began, but after that five nothing win I mean they clearly can shut the flyers down, and they clearly have some offense too, so I mean you know. I, I think I think it's possible we'll see a Tide series. I'd love to see a Tide series for that one, too. I got to completely agree
2: with Mac. I've been betting against the Habs nonstop since this playoff started, and, I mean, look at where that's got me. So I think, um, yeah, no, I completely agree. And I mean, you nailed it. They were able to shut them down in the second game, and, you know, I don't think they have to shut them down that much for them to steal a game. I think it has to be a within one goal, and Price can steal it. So... Uh, Yeah, I would not be surprised if this thing was tied.
1: I think I originally said Philly in five. Um, I'm going to say Philly in six now. I'll be a a little... uh, I don't think they're going to... I do think Montreal is going to get one more. I think it probably will be game four if you made me bet my life on it. But uh, that's kind of where I stand. I would agree. Oh, no, I had Philly in six. Shit, I'm a genius. Okay, never mind. (laughs) If it ain't broken, fix it. (laughs) You both had Philly in Five. Yeah. Well, hey. It's still possible. Right.
2: Uh, Moving on to the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Columbus Blue Jackets. uh, As we stand right now, as of the game that happened today, earlier today, the Lightning are up in the series three games to one. But I think the thing that everyone is going to remember about this series and we were all talking about for... Um, you know, like two days, uh, you know, in regard to this series was game one going to five periods of overtime.
1: Yeah, that was um a little extreme. I started watching that at three, and I was look, I was observing what the time was on my phone. By the end of it, game ended at, at I think nine thirty one p.m. Six and a half hours. It got boring, honestly. Like I gotta be honest with you.
2: Well, I think like when you got to like overtime three, you were just like, okay, let's either keep going and set records or someone just score right now. So (laughs) the, the late game doesn't get pushed. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I went down to the beach that morning and like came back up, had lunch and then went back down to the beach around the time that game started. And like, Stayed on the beach for a bunch of, you know, hours, came back, showered, had dinner, and then I was like, oh my god, this game is still going. And was <laughs> able to watch, like, the last, like, 35 combined minutes of hockey.
1: Dinner with Long Island Italians, too. That's a long one.
2: I, like, I gained easily 50 pounds this weekend. <laughs>
1: Yeah, similarly, I was, like, at
3: work when the game started, and I was like, oh, there's no way I'll get home in time for any of this one. And then I, I was actually driving home um, listening to the first overtime on the radio, and I was like, oh, cool. I kind of like listening to games on the radio. Like, I like hearing the radio call for the goal and stuff. So um I was kind of excited. I was like, oh, cool, I'm going to hear the radio call for, like, the game-winning goal while I'm driving home. And then, literally, like... <laughs> Three hours later, I'm still watching it at home. Like, ended up watching more than 60 minutes of it. Fucking crazy. But it, it did get a little dull at times. But overall, I felt like it was a quite the treat, honestly, to see something like that. Seth Jones with, like, 60 minutes oh of his time. It's just, I don't understand how you do that. You got a feel for Corpus Allo, man. Setting all those fucking records and still losing. And just, like, what a tank he was. What a yeah. tank.
1: So. Yeah, he, he set the, uh, the playoff record for most saves in a game with, I believe, I think it was 86 was the final number. It's insane. Um, fun fact, so I was doing a lot of research on that, trying to get the uh, info up on the Twitter page. So the all-time record, I can't remember the guy's name, but it was a Montreal Canadiens goalie in like the 30s. And That's he a- has the all-time record with 92 saves. Wow. wow. Now that was in the regular season, so Corposalo holds the playoff record i've heard a lot of people saying he holds the all-time record without clarifying so um empty bettors is your source for accurate information just remember that but other than the, oh no you go
2: no i was gonna say well said i mean my impressions of this series i think we thought it was gonna be exactly like it was last year it's noticeable that columbus is missing weapons i think now um tampa loaded up at the deadline and i feel like because they were sort of off all year and then we had the pause, people kind of forget about that, like going out and getting guys like Barclay Goodrow, Zach Bogosian, Blake Como, Blake Coleman, sorry. Um, That's, I think, where this team is really just, and I think they got Pat Maroon too in the off season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've just been really able to really assert themselves, I think. And I think the... um, you know, I think Braden Point has gotten noticeably better. I know we we used to rip on him a little bit at the beginning of uh, when the show started, and I, I will stick by what I said. Uh,
3: but he's just been outstanding.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can go, Mac.
3: Uh, I was just gonna say um, that obviously, you know, we like Nick said, I was expecting something a little closer, but dare I say, Tampa might be the real deal this time. They might actually. Not choke, but, you know, it's the first round still. They still got to win one more game. They still got to win three more series. So I'm sure all those Bolts fans out there are like, God, shut up. Don't fucking jinx us.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's funny you mentioned that, Nick, about how the things have been kind of quiet with them because I was watching the games over the weekend with a couple buddies and um, one friend in particular when we were watching the Caps game, he was like, you yeah. um, know, this is, this is all built for Tampa to have a run. No, like, nobody's talking about them, right? And you always hear people talk about Tampa, and they're the number two seed, but everybody wants to talk about Carolina and how great of a start they got to. And then Boston, well, they redeemed themselves from last year. And then even get Columbus because they took out Toronto, and they've got all the hype. And then you got Montreal took out Pittsburgh, and Philly looks unbeaten. And like all of a sudden, Tampa's that forgotten team. And it feels a lot like the 2018 Caps when, like, they kind of went under the radar, right? And everyone got, was like, what did you say?
2: They got written off.
1: Yeah, exactly. It, it's it's bomb. almost like the perfect storm, no pun intended, uh, right, for the Lightning to make a big run. Um, I just also run. want to point out the fact that you two both chose the Jackets and I chose mm-hmm. the Lightning. So, Yep. Tooting my, toot my own horn a little bit.
3: I also put um, put some money on the Jackets to win the series because it was at a real good price after game one, and uh, it doesn't look like I'm probably going to win that bet, but you never know. Hey, you
2: know what I'm going to say about that? I say this every time one of my bets is not going the right direction. There's a lot of hockey left to be played.
1: Yeah. Right. And I just want to say, I don't know if you guys got to watch game four today, but that goal that got called back at the start of the game was such a buzzkill for Columbus. I mean, you yeah. could see the wind taken out of the sails. I think it was Pierre-Luc Dubois, I could be wrong. He kind of did like a, a toe drag back over the blue line and once that got called off, Tampa smelled blood and it was just kind of no, no. I was at work,
3: I didn't get to see it.
1: Yeah. Well, West, Coast, well. West Coaster, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's Dubois has been absolutely fantastic. And I mean yeah. Mac, you touched on this already. Like Corpusalo's been liked out as well. It's just it's a star power thing. And I mean Tampa's got that in, you know, barrel loads. So um I wouldn't be surprised if this one was over by uh the next couple of days.
1: Tortorella team ain't going down easy though, I'll tell you that. I do nope. keep
3: I keep thinking that. Yeah, I can't forget that. Stingy. Yeah. All right, let's get this over with. Um, yeah. We are now going
2: to move into the number three seated Washington Capitals against the New York Islanders. So, as we stand right now, I don't think anyone needs to know this, but I'm just going to put it out there. And let's just get this over with. So the <laughs> Islanders are up three to nothing in the series, and um, yeah, I've uh, I've got some thoughts on this. First and foremost, the Washington Capitals' biggest move this offseason needs to be behind the bench. I think Reardon has to go. And call me crazy, this is my dream, like wet dream scenario if this happens. Give Reardon the boot because this window is closing way too fast to you know give this guy another chance. He's had two years with it and obviously just can't get it done. I think the team was significantly worse leading up to the postseason this year than it was last year. I think last year we were still sort of riding that trots effect and were able to sort of put those games together. And I think the Caps team that ended up losing that series to Carolina was significantly better than the Caps team right now. So my dream scenario in my head is Reardon gets the boot as soon as they lose the series, which I'm assuming is just going to be tomorrow or today when you're listening to this. And they get Peter Laviolette to be the new head coach in Washington.
3: Oh shit! That's a very interesting suggestion. I am uh, I'm behind you all the way. On um, I think not only do I I think it's the right call to uh, to give re- reared in the axe after um, we inevitably lose this series to the Islanders, but um, I think that it will happen. Like I don't think there's a doubt in my mind if they lose this first series. Um, he's gone. I would be shocked uh, if that is not the case. No, this, I mean,
2: I said it, this, and you you completely, I know you agree with me on this, that window is closing and it's closing too fast to where you just can't wait anymore. Um, yep. You're not going to be able to hold all those pieces together for a while whether that's because of an expansion draft or because of contracts or because of guys getting older, it's just not an option. Right now, I think their biggest problem is that it just doesn't seem like anyone is there. It seems like they are like they haven't played with each other in like a year. Like they're passing to each other's feet. Passers are going over sticks. Passers are going up to guys' chests, like behind their tape, behind them. It's just not clean. Uh, you know, we saw in game one, Oshi scored twice. And he was the only cap that scored. And then in game two Ovi scores twice, and he's the only cap that scored. You know, where the hell is Kuznetsov? Where the hell is Vrana? Vrana? Vrana was a minus six going into Game Three. I mean, it's just not pretty. And you know, then we get to center depth with Backstrom hurt. Yeah, that's a backbreaker. Yeah, you might get Eller back in Game Two, but still, Eller in Game Two was atrocious. I mean, just you know, when you're supposed to be lugging second line minutes for you know as a center. And I think he only won like nine face-offs throughout the entire game. Don't quote me on that. But, I mean, that's just abysmal. Evgeny Kuznetsov is supposed to be the number one center on that top line with him, with uh, uh, Willie and Ovi. And he can't even move the puck. I mean, he's supposed to be a puck-moving center that can set up guys and, you know, chip in on the score sheet. And he can't even do that. He's turning the puck over. He's getting knocked off the puck. He's passing to nowhere. He's overhandling when he should just shoot the damn thing. I mean, it is an absolute disaster right now, and I think that
3: all comes down to Reardon just not being able to get control of this team. It definitely looks just, you know, like they're not on the same page out there. They they The communication looks bad. Like You, you feel like you can almost see the communication errors happening as guys are passing to each other's feet, as you were mentioning. Um, they're just not like... There's just no mojo out there. There's no chemistry. Um, It's hard to have faith in this team at all after watching those three games. And, you know, I would say this, too. The the games one and two, just, like, I have nothing good to say about those games. Game, Game three, I thought there were points where things looked to be picking up. And, you know, you could argue, like, yeah, did the Caps, like, play decent in that game? Like, yeah, okay, maybe you could make a case, but... My thing is, there's no fucking way that you can lose the first two games of this series, and then for game three show up and play debatably decent. Like it's just like no way, dude. Like I don't care. You put yourself in this situation. If you don't come out for game three and and play like amazing, and I don't care if you lose. If you don't play amazing, it's just it's stupid. They, like they literally can't get out of their own way, and um, it's it's sucky to watch. Honestly, it fucking sucks. But, hey, uh, you know, they
2: brought in youngsters for that game. They put Faravari in on the back end, and they put uh, Brian um, Pinot yeah. uh, to center the third line. I was kind of hoping, if they were going to do that, we would have seen Connor McMichael. But, um, you know, nowhere to be found despite, you know, being one of the guys on the list, you know, when this whole thing first came out. So, i guess my question to you mac and harry you can answer this um too is is this going to be a sweep or is this going to be the caps get one and the aisles get four (laughs) uh, i think those are the two best options right now
3: and money's kind of on the first one um it's really hard for me to answer that objectively because, as you guys know, I've just got so much fucking heart for the Caps even in the darkest of times. But, um, man, I don't know. Like, every part of me wants to believe that they'll snag one and, and at least grab a little bit of their dignity uh, tomorrow. But um, also thinking back to what happened with the Islanders and the Penguins last year, I mean, this doesn't feel that
1: different. I mean... It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's yes. the same fucking thing. I'm telling you. This, yeah, so I've actually watched this series pretty in depth, um, but I'm not a Caps fan. I know I don't break it down as well as you guys do. But that being said, you got to give the Islanders some credit. They're, <laughs> they're just a good team. They're a good team. They don't have, yeah. they don't have any stud players, but everybody makes an impact. I mean, Brock Nelson and Andres Lee—you never will hear those names in national coverage ever, like ever. But they are game-changing power forward in-your-fucking-face players that you want to kill on a nightly basis. So they're just chock full of them. Cal Clutterbuck, another one. Leo Komarov, another one. They're just stingy. They get at you. They forecheck hard. They backcheck hard. And I've watched the series, and it looks exactly like last year when we got swept. You just can't find that breakthrough. And I thought game three was just basically the overtime was a summation of really what's going on. It was classic. Vrana gets a breakaway and Varlamov makes a huge save, right? I think that was the Caps' third breakaway of the game. Don't quote me on that. And they weren't able to convert on one of them. And then the Islanders come back the other way. Barzell goes around deep, power move, backhand done. It's one big save leads to a goal. It's as simple as that
2: my thing with the breakaway is did like, I don't know half the damn caps team who played with Varley, not tell Vrana the damn scouting report that you don't go five hole on that guy.
1: Yeah. Like, I don't
2: know. Too wax at it. Could like, maybe you could make a move around him. I mean, I, I'm not going to criticize him cause he's yeah. way better at hockey than I was or ever will be. So, um, I, I don't really have room to speak there, but I, you know, you're absolutely right. You have to give the Islanders credit here. Um, you know who their best player is?
1: Who?
3: That bald guy behind the bench.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're not yeah. wrong.
3: I will add one more thing specifically about what it will take for the Caps to make any sort of a comeback, whether that's just even one game or, or just leaving with at least a little bit more of their dignity than they've got right now. Um, I truly think the most encouraging moment of the series as a Caps fan was just after Kuzi scores that goal to make it one-to-one. Uh, let's talk about for a sec how much different it looks playing against the Islanders when you are playing behind, when the Islanders have a lead against you, and when it is tied and, and nobody's ahead. They play differently. They, they have to. They, you know, they're the kind of team that will beat you by one goal because they don't care. All they have to do is get up by one, and they suffocate you, and they give you no room to move no room to pass they don't allow you to have any zone time if you've seen those graphs going around on twitter of like where the caps are getting all of their fucking shots from it's it's no man's land it's from the fucking like the little corner of space when you first pass the blue line and enter the offensive zone it's all coming from there because they won't even let you get to the net um but when the game's one-to-one they have to make Uh, you know, some riskier moves, they have to take some chances because they're not ahead and they need to get that next goal. Um, And then, you know, they inevitably do. So you got to really, you got to score the first goal, which we've done in two of the fucking games and still lost. So you know, I don't know. We got to can't play from behind. That's for sure. No, I mean, it
2: reminds you of those early 2000s devils teams where they would just go up by a goal and then Scott Stevens and Scott Niedermeyer and Brian Rafalski would go to work on the back end and just shut everyone down. Uh, I mean, they're so stingy, and they, you know, Harry, you nailed it with all their, you know, gritty playoff power forward guys. I mean, they just score playoff-style goals. And, you know, obviously, um, Barzell's OT winner the other night, that was, I don't think you could have scripted that any better. Like, he was perfectly onside. I know a bunch of people said he was not, but he was. Uh, took the defenseman wide and just, you know, outdid Holby laterally. And that's what you have to do. And, I, you know, I think if he continues the way he's going and continues in a trot system, I don't think it's crazy to think that he couldn't win a Selkie trophy or two.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, look, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying. I love the re- – I've heard the Reardon um, rant quite a bit over the weekend. I uh, heard a good amount of Orlov slander as well. Um, so, yeah, I, it's the Penguins and the Capitals, dare I say, are kind of in that same stage where it's like, you know, we don't have another five years to kind of just grow the homegrown talent and, you know, water the plants, for lack of a better term. It's basically now or nothing. I mean, you probably have two or three years where you make a solid run. Yeah, two years, and after that, that's it. I mean, that's that's it. You had so, your fun. Two yeah. years, it's over. Yep. So it might already be over. The way the league is looking, it's it's insane. I mean, I watched Colorado today, and none of their star players are over the age of twenty five, and they are fucking insane. So maybe maybe the future's here. Who knows? But it's trying times in the empty betters' crew.
3: No doubt. For sure.
2: So, who wins tomorrow or today when these people are listening? Uh, Isles and four.
3: Sorry, I'm just I'm just trying to be not, like I'm not going to lie to you. Fuck it. I'll uh, I'll go with my heart, not my head. I'll say <laughs> the win Game Five. That's all I'll say. <laughs> but, um, it wouldn't
2: be the Caps if they gave me a slimmer of hope before ripping the the floor out beneath my feet. So I'm going to have to do. I think the caps will get one done and then turtle and destroy everything I love so much but
1: Reardon um, had a very powerful quote. Did you see that? He yeah. said, what was it? I expected uh, I expect tomorrow to be our best team effort to date this year or something like that. So
2: You know what, you know what that is to me though? What? It's just like when, you know, in the peanuts when like an adult is talking and all you hear is <laughs> <"Won, won, won."
0: laughs>
2: Wow wow wow, wow you want bud, but until you show me something like a competent power play on the ice,
1: I'm not buying it, so you know? oh, i I hear you dude it's it's Mike Sullivan say we're gonna play our way, we're gonna play our game'm like okay, <laughs> I'm like that's great, could you actually do it
2: like, right <laughs> okay sure. well, yeah. right, what have you done for me lately uh anyways, moving on uh. <laughs> series that has game 4 in progress right now uh behind me the Boston Bruins and Carolina Hurricanes this one has been you know nasty bare knuckle playoff hockey from the get go Boston is currently leading the series 2 to 1 game 4 started about 45 minutes ago and if i'm not mistaken carolina is leading the game 1 to nothing let's go um, Obviously, we talked about uh, Boston not having Tugarask at the beginning of the show. Uh, in addition to that, they also do not have David Posternak this evening. Uh, he was rolled out for Game 4. Carolina is obviously uh, missing the services of Andrei Svechnikov, as we mentioned as well. So I think this was a series that we were pretty jacked up for i know myself personally i was torn on which i was most excited for between the bolts jackets and uh the canes bruins series and i think these have been fantastic games to watch i mean these guys are not holding anything back and they're trying to absolutely beat each other to death
3: yeah it's a cool it's another one of those cool rematches from last year right um And it's definitely been interesting to see some of the differences and some of the similarities between when they played last year and this year. Um, definitely a huge blow for both teams, honestly missing arguably, you know, their best forward. Um, but yeah, I think there's no shortage of guys on both lineups that can step up and hopefully will step up. Um, Justin Williams is on the board for them today. Uh, and that's exactly the kind of guy that they need to, uh, Put a couple biscuits in the basket when uh, Sveshnikov is not there. So um, it's going to be interesting. I think I want to say I said Canes and seven or something like that, Um, which i i kind of I kind of want to stick with that. I do think the Canes are going to win today, Um, and so yeah. What did I say here? You had Canes and six. Canes and six. Yeah, I don't know about that one. I think
1: it's okay. I have Canes and
3: five. Yeah. 10-7,
1: I think. Did you guys see the Jack Edwards tweet? Okay, yeah. I want to talk about this. I got it right here. Okay, good. Let's talk about it. So in relation to Shveshnikov's injury, and again, like Nick said earlier, viewer discretion advised, because if you don't like knee buckles, you're not going to like this one. And I'm quoting Jack Edwards here on his tweet, quote, what NBC hasn't shown yet regarding the unfortunate injury to Shveshnikov. The Carolina wing-playing hobby, horse-riding Chara on the back apron of the goal. You poke the bear, you take the chances. No one wanted to see Feshnikov hurt, but he bit off more than he could chew. End quote.
2: All right, so let's just put this out there. For those that don't know who Jack Edwards is, he is the play-by-play analyst for uh Nesson or Northeastern Sports Network who covers the Bruins. And he has a history of basically being the biggest homer in pro sports, I, I think is fair to say. And also for saying some I would say fairly insensitive things when guys get <laughs> hurt. We covered the um Roman Polak incident uh earlier this year. I think that was back in like November or something. Remember uh, that? Yeah. Yeah. And so this guy's already got a, you know, he's kind of got a rap for, uh, you know, saying some outlandish shit. And if you don't know what I'm referencing, just go on uh, YouTube and type in Jack Edwards or being a homer or something like that. And I guarantee you he's the first thing that pops up. And uh, I, one, this is like public enemy number one on my can't fucking stand this guy list. I cannot stand this guy at all. I think he's an absolute clown. And I think most of the shit that comes out of his mouth could be blown out of a horse's ass and sound better. So I, I was not surprised when I read this and I was
3: loving every minute of him getting shit for it. Not to mention that it was fucking Sebastian Aho riding the, riding Chara on the back of the goal or whatever the fuck he's talking about. It wasn't even Sveshnikov. It wasn't even him.
1: Yeah. It, he got a lot of, a lot of hate online about that. Nick, I know we've, I know we've talked about him earlier this year. We had some, uh, there was one episode I can't remember we inserted the audio clip it was about like um a fight that was going on in Boston and he was like ring the bell here we go and I was just like yes yeah. Yeah. one of
2: one of my favorite Jack Edwards things that he said it was like I think it was like a Bruins Montreal game and it like like three Boston players gang up on one Habs player and are just beating the wheels off of him. And he's like, yeah, yeah, baby, get him. He's like, that's what happens when you mess with the Bruins or something like that. And yeah, like I, I, right. the top comment on the YouTube video was like, is this guy watching from his couch? Like what, what yeah. is
1: going on?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, so I, I haven't gotten to watch as much of this series as I would have liked to. I know I picked Carolina on five. I know that was very bold of me. Yes, I am understanding that was probably not realistic, but I was playing prisoner of the moment. It happens. Um, That being said, Boston got their act together. They don't look nearly as bad as they did in the qualifiers. Um, I do kind of think Boston is going to take this. I still think it'll go seven, um, Well, not still. I never thought it was going to go 7 at the start, so what am I saying? But I do think it'll go 7 now. Um And I do think the Bruins are going to end up taking it. Even though Rask is out, which is strange, right? Is Halak their backup, I think? Yeah, he looked good. Not a bad backup to have, especially with some of his playoffs. The only experience.
3: goal he let up was one that he fucking passed right to uh whoever it was for the cans. I can't even remember, but it was literally like... He was going behind the net to fucking get, like, a dump in. He literally just threw it right in front of the net, and they, like, put it in the empty net. That's
2: literally
1: the
3: only goal he let in, so.
1: Yeah. What are your guys' thoughts on the series?
2: Who did – um? I had the Canes in this one. Was it six or seven that you I had picked?
1: S- you had seven.
2: Okay. I- I'm going to stick with that. Uh, I think that ultimately – sort of what's going on with this whole Rask situation might be the tipping point there, because I think Halak, as we all, I think, have experienced, can be quite an effective postseason goaltender. Uh, He was very high on my goalies, I never want to play again list for a very long time. So I, I think he's decent enough to carry a team that's that sound defensively to seven games and potentially even win it for him. I don't know. There's just something about this Carolina team. They have it. They have that X factor. They can basically score from anywhere. So um,
0: no, I agree. Yeah,
3: just, I'm going to stick with Carolina in seven. I feel very confident that it will go seven, uh, much like you guys. I, I just feel like this series has seven written all over it. Um, but I think the winner is kind of a coin flip. I'm just going to stick with Carolina because it's what I said initially, but I could absolutely see it going
0: out of way.
1: Yep.
2: Alrighty. Now we're going to go across the nation and North of the border to Edmonton and cover the Western conference. So we have the Vegas golden Knights and the Chicago Blackhawks. As it stands right now, the Knights are up three to one in this series. I personally have not gotten to watch a ton of this. I've tried to catch the highlights the next day. This just didn't line up good for me during the week. It was either on like really early or really late. Uh, From what I've seen, I thought Chicago looked good uh, in the game that they won. I believe it was last night where they staved off elimination because they were down three games to nothing. This, to me, just... Chicago looked okay, but that that Knights team, I think, is just too good. I think by the time we speak next, the series is going to be over.
3: So, I have... uh unsurprisingly been able to watch a lot of these west coast games um i love watching hockey like at night especially once i've got everything done for the day and i'm just kind of hanging out and so i've actually caught a lot of this series and i've caught a lot of the dallas and calgary series but um this one here's what i'll say you know the the hawks went down three nothing and the caps went three down three nothing we mentioned with the caps it's a total situation of you know they kind of fucked themselves over. Islanders are a very good team, no doubt, but mostly it was the caps fucking themselves over and not playing well enough. This series, I could not say the same. I would be extremely frustrated as a Hawks fan, but for a completely different reason, they've actually looked really good to me in pretty much every one of these games, especially game. Uh, what was it? Game two. They, uh, they took it to overtime, and they hit the post in overtime, too. I believe it was Taves. And, um, I mean, that could have been a 1-1 series just like that. But um, they have not gotten a lot of bounces. And um, I think the big, big surprise of this series is Old Man Crawdad in net looks absolutely amazing. This dude is a fucking butte still. Love and, it. Like, I'm shocked. I'm, I'm happy for the dude. He's, He's old man Crawdad, but he still got it. He made like how many saves did he make yesterday? Put that on a t-shirt.
0: Yeah.
3: Old man Crawdad. He literally made forty-eight
1: saves yesterday. Jesus.
3: In a three to one win.
1: I only got to watch the game four where they won in old man Crawdad. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, that looks pretty good. I really want a t shirt that- of that. Um fun fact. Guess who is tied for third in defenseman point scoring so far in the playoffs?
2: Duncan Keith.
1: No. Who? This guy's above Duncan Keith.
2: Oh, God, I know who it is. It's our boy. Holy, the next, holy, holy. The, the next coming of Jesus. Jesus.
1: Yeah. Where does this come from? He's got two goals in the series, right? I think he has two goals in the series. I'll go ahead and say that. Unbelievable. Oli fucking Mata is tied for third tied for third in in the postseason in defenseman scoring. Now, switching gears, um, I've been big on this guy for a while, and I haven't really talked about him on the podcast. And really random fact, I've gotten in a very spirited argument with a buddy of mine like two years ago about when the expansion draft happened and Vegas got this guy. I am a big Shea Theodore fan. I love the way he plays. Um, Not a lot of people know this guy's name, but just a great – second-pairing puck-moving defenseman. He's probably actually their ace now that I'm thinking about it. I mean, not that they have a name that stands out as an ace already, but I would say that he's probably the best defenseman on the team. Smooth skater, moves the puck, very offensive-driven. Um, not huge in the physical physicality department, but nonetheless a good skater, and that makes up for a lot, and that seems to be the trend nowadays. He's looked awesome in this series. Vegas is a wagon I would say that them and Colorado are the two best teams remaining in the postseason, and I had Vegas as my cup pick, so I ain't going to deviate from that. But um, they and now, just to make matters a little worse, what was it? I think Game 3 and 4 was back-to-back, so they stuck in flower for Game 3 because they had been starting laner. Yep. Put up your backup goalie in and the first game, which I feel like is not disrespectful, but I almost would have probably started laner the third game and made flurry of Game 4. I feel like that's a little more... Of a mainstream decision, but what do I know? Um, and speaking of Flurry, uh, in their game three win, Flurry got his 80th postseason win uh, with that game three win, which has now put him tied with Ken Dryden for six all time on the playoff goalie wins list. Next is fifth place to capture for the flower. He will need to catch Ed Belfort and Billy Smith, who have 88 wins in the playoffs. So he's only eight wins.
3: He looked good in the game too. He he only lost yeah. one goal, and it was kind of a shitty goal that he probably should have had. So I mean, the dude probably should have had a shutout. Um, I, I am wondering what you guys think, though. Like, if uh, if the Blackhawks do take the next game, uh, whether or not you think we might see Flower again later in the series. Um,
1: maybe. I mean, I was a little surprised that they went with Laner. Even though he has been playing better this year in general, but given the experience and the pedigree and the resume, I have a hard time, and I'm also my bias, <laughs> um, I have a hard time picking against Flower, but I don't really think the Hawks are going to win the next game. The only way they do, and I saw this today uh, online, Barstool Chief with uh, Spit and Chicklets, Taddy Kane hasn't really broken out yet, which... You know, I was looking at the game log stat sheet, and he has it, right? And he's one of those five to ten guys in the league who can really change a series if he gets hot. So, But I don't think he will. I think Vegas is too good.
2: I agree, and that's a great point. I mean, he's one of those players that just has that X factor that he can take over any game whenever he wants to. Um. I I completely agree. I think Vegas is going to close this one out. I wouldn't be shocked if Chicago won the next game, but I really don't think they're going to. I think this one's an open and shut case, and I think the Knights are going to move on. You mentioned Billy Smith, legendary Islanders goaltender. Uh, Don't ask me how I know this, but a fun fact about Billy Smith that I always love is um, his knob on his goalie stick. You know how goalies have like a basically what looks like a roll of tape around like the very very top of their shaft. He would do his like six inches down so he could spear guys in the face with the wooden butt end. And then they changed that and it's called the Billy Smith rule. So now the tape has to go all the way to the top.
1: Are you serious?
2: Word of God. That's fucking awesome.
1: So, <laughs> I love school
2: hockey. If you haven't seen Billy Smith highlights before, please go check those out because he was basically like Ron Hextall before there was a Ron Hextall. He was just absolutely insane.
1: Um, and, and by the way, just a little wild stat out here. I mentioned Fleury is next, has to catch Belfour and Billy Smith, who are both tied for fourth. Um, the top three goalies, well, the top two goalies, Grant Fuhrer is number three, Broder is number two. Waugh is number one with 151 postseason wins. And then Broder's second with one hundred and thirteen. I mean, I feel, that, like, that, <laughs> I feel like
2: people outside of Montreal forget that he did win two cups with the Habs before he was in Colorado.
1: Yeah, probably. Yeah. So, just wanted to throw that out there.
2: Yeah, and good segue. Speaking of Colorado, we're going to move on to the Abs versus the Yotes. Uh, Colorado is now up three to one. This game just finished up a little while ago and it was an absolute beatdown. Um, it was, I think I checked over my shoulder right before we started recording and it was seven to one. I think when I first walked upstairs, it was five to one. So, um, did you guys see uh Mac throwing them?
1: No, Wait, th- really? When third period? Yeah. With who? Yeah. You know? I couldn't tell who it was. Huh? No, I didn't. But I'm gonna have to watch that. Wow. Uh, um. Yeah. So <laughs> that was a clinic. That 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 wasn't even fair. I mean, that I was watching the start of the third period. Colorado put up three goals in the first five minutes. So after that, it was over, right? And Tockett basically called the boys over for a timeout and was like, "Yo, like I know that they're putting it up you dry right now, but at least put a little lube on to make the pain ease, And they just didn't. So. Um, <laughs> So, Cal McCarr, I mean, if you guys didn't see this goal, we might have to repost it. He's a defenseman, and he absolutely walked Alex Kolodowski, who, by the way, is no slouch himself. He's been in the league for over 10 years. Uh, He's a bona fide top four, you know, D-man. And he absolutely walked him. A little forehand, a backhand toe drag, and then just a, a shelf bar down on the backhand on the breakaway against Kemper. And poor Kemper. I mean, I was telling you guys this before the episode started. He's played really well in this series. He obviously got the doors blown off of him today. Um, but he's the only reason that Arizona's not swept right now. I mean, in all seriousness.
3: He played incredible in game four. Yeah. Or,
1: yeah. 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 And I've, they showed on NBC today at the second intermission. Every single game that the Coyotes have played so far, he's had to make at least 28 saves in every yep. game. Every single one. And I think there was only two of them so far where they were in the 20s. Everything else was at least 30. So he's getting peppered, right? Um, he's definitely been their MVP. But Colorado is just – they are so good. I mean, so, it, it's its scary. And Burakoski, by the way. Sorry, Caps fans. Whew. Stud. Yeah. He's, this is
2: what happens. Every time this is what happens, you know – Somewhat decent young kid will go and leave the Caps, and then boom, just explode out of nowhere and turn into a complete stud.
3: Do you guys know that there's only three series right now that do not have a Cup-winning Capitals player involved in the series? Wow, that's how how like spread out those some of those guys that won the Cup with that team are, and that just goes back to you talking about that window closing sooner and sooner for the Caps.
1: Yep. Um, other than that, the only other notes that I was going to add is that that top line for Colorado, I would say is now officially the best line in the league. Hands down the best line in the league. I know a lot of people will say the Bruins would be, um, a competitor for that, but Carolina might be a competitor for that, but it just, it ain't the same. That, that is a disgusting line. Um, I really don't see a scenario where Colorado doesn't just absolutely close this out in five. I think the nails in the coffin. Arizona's dead. Kessel looks lazy. Hall looks frustrated. Yep, no
0: doubt.
2: I, I agree. Um, moving on to the Dallas Stars and the Calgary Flames. That series is tied uh, at two games apiece. That is literally all I have to say about that series because I think it has not been one of the more entertaining games to watch. Maybe that's I'm I'm just a little bit biased because I did lose a lot of money on it the other night. But
1: did you bet? I, did you bet Calgary when yeah. they lost and they yeah. tied it? Yeah. Yes. Same. Being, and the, I feel you. And yeah. Yeah. I didn't tell you, but I, I yeah, it, it was worse.
2: We had like a group of us, like it was like 10 people in the room at the beach and like we were down. They, I mean, they were down for so long. We had them on the money line and then they finally come back and tie the game with like what less than a minute to go it was like 30 seconds or something to go and then Dallas goes right back and fucking scores I was like you got to be kidding me
0: yeah
3: i um again this is probably just cuz i've had to i've had to settle for a lot of these west coast games that i normally probably wouldn't care as much about but i actually think this might be my favorite series that's going on so far um from the very get-go both these teams you could tell were just like kind of a or sorry, a mismatch in that like they're they're pretty similar. Like they they're they're built to be kind of gritty, um, but they both still have like some some solid talent. But I mean a series where you got Corey Perry against Matthew Kachuk is definitely bound to get interesting. Um sucks for the Flames that like Kachuk is out right now, but I mean they also have no shortage of other guys who can um, pick up for where Kachuk leaves off and uh, some of that physicality and grit. Um, that Stars game uh, yesterday, I think it was, yeah, was absolutely unreal. Um, is this what you were talking about, where where the Flames were up late? Literally the Stars scored, it got called off, and you're like, oh, okay, it looks like the Flames are going to survive, and then they scored again to tie with 11 seconds
1: left. Yep. Fucking Joe Pavelski, um, That's why they got him. Yeah, that literally that exact goal was why they got him in front of the net. Clutch goal, playoff performer, been there, done that. It, it, it was the most perfect match made in that exact yep. moment.
3: And the Stars had sixty-two shots in the game.
1: Did they really?
3: That's insane. Um, shots were sixty-two to
0: forty.
1: One thing I want to add is Milan Lucic looks incredible. He looks looks great. Yeah, he looks like Boston Lucic. I mean, he he has looked really, really good. He's got six points so far in eight games played in this playoffs. Physical presence is definitely being felt. Um, I I saw a tweet the other day where him and Jamie Ben were kind of at each other's throats and the ref, there was two refs in between having to break them up. And they are like, would not want to be those refs. And I was like, I can't even imagine. (laughs) Absolutely
0: not.
2: Um, I think my sort of takeaway from this series, from what I've been able to watch is I know Harrison, you and I talked about who had the best logo in the league at the beginning of the year. I think Calgary has got to be in that conversation.
1: Yeah, uh, I remember when we were covering that. Nick Nick loves jersey designs and logos. It's all up his wheelhouse. But uh, I yeah, like.
2: Cal- it was the first thing that stood out to me when Calgary was wearing their red uniforms. I was like, that just looks phenomenal. The the white C with the
1: white heat looks so much better than the black one. Yes, agreed. So uh, I will say their red jerseys are immaculate. I also like the Stars jerseys a lot,
3: but that's probably just because I'm biased from basically wearing the exact Stars jersey through all of youth hockey. Represent. Um, you know who has impressed me?
2: Um, I actually have two for this, either side. One, I've been saying this for a long time now, but Miro Heiskanen is an absolutely unbelievable puck-moving defenseman. That guy can do it all, and one of, if not in my opinion, the best skaters in the NHL. Not, I'm talking outright speed, which is overall skating ability. Um, two, Dylan Dubay for the Flames has been really impressive. Yeah. Uh, Kelowna Rockets prospect. I know uh, everyone in Western Canada will have a boner for that. But, uh, you know, he, this guy has really sort of jumped in. And, I mean, I think he scored, like, what,
3: like three goals or four goals in the first two games? Yeah, both those guys have looked awesome. I mean, Heiskanen scored on a fucking breakaway a couple games ago. Defenseman scoring on a breakaway, that's definitely something you don't see all the time. So um, the dude can skate, and um, that's not all he can do. Definitely. Um, So
2: moving on, the last series we have to catch up on is the St. Louis Blues and Vancouver Canucks. I've actually gotten to watch a decent amount of this series. Uh, As it stands now, Vancouver is leading two games to one. Game four is coming up in about an hour tonight on Monday the 17th. Uh, Obviously, Shen scores the overtime goal last night for them, I believe. Was that last night?
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they're on a back-to-back, which should be interesting to see how the goalie tandem plays out. Yeah, they won Jake Allen last night.
2: Yeah, I thought game two of this series was phenomenal.
1: So according to Daily Faceoff, tonight's starter, unconfirmed as of right now, but it's allegedly rumored to be Jake Allen over Bennington. Really? Yeah, and then Markstrom will be in net um, for the Knucks. So what I would say in what I've watched in this is two things. One, I chose the Canucks in seven, and I am firmly... Confident in that, but I would almost say that I think it's going to be Canucks in six. This team is really fucking good, and they're really fucking fast, and JT Miller is just making everyone look like an idiot who said that they overpaid for him. Um, He's looked awesome. And Elias Patterson's goal the other day, if you haven't seen that slow-mo of the just bore left, bore south. It's insane. I mean, that kid's ridiculous. So um, the Canucks are looking like that – there's always that young team that kind of comes in and you're like, whoa, where'd they kind of come from? Like, I knew they were good, but I didn't think they were ready. They don't give a shit. They're coming, and they're fast. Yeah. And Quinn Quinn Hughes is a game changer. I think right now he is leading the league in points scored by a defenseman in the postseason with nine. Miro Heiskanen at eight, and then fucking Olimata. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the that makes sense. Really good.
3: Um, This series has been tough uh, for me to really like make a prediction that I feel super confident in, like since it began. Um, obviously, when the Canucks went out and and won the first two, I was kind of like not that surprised. I, I also picked the Knucks in seven, um, and I I think I'm gonna stick with that honestly, only because. Um, last night I thought the blues looked really determined. I thought they looked exactly how the caps should have looked in their game three, um, coming out and needing to win game three, um, to avoid going down three, nothing. Um, they came to play and they didn't panic when I got to overtime. Um, I think they even killed a penalty or something like that. Like in overtime, um, I was kind of falling asleep towards the end last night, but, uh, that was an exciting game, and, and as you mentioned before, the uh, game before that was really exciting too. Um, I'm looking forward to that one tonight to see what happens. But I I kind of think the Blues are going to win and tie the series, and then I do think uh, Vancouver will eventually um, take care of things. But I, I think the Blues are coming back, and they're not going to go down without a strong
2: fight. I agree. And Harrison, I, I completely agree with what you said about how they're sort of that young team. They can get things done. I think this team is going to be very, very good in three years. I think you might even be able to say in two years with the weapons they have and the pieces that they sort of have in their system. So I don't think it's crazy to think that these guys, win this series or not, will be back in this position next year. Uh, Mac, I do agree with you that I think the Blues are going to come back tonight and tie this series, and uh, I don't remember what my prediction for this one was, but I really do see this
1: one going seven. Hmm, interesting. I got the Knucks tonight. I'll go against both of you. I think Knucks get it done. Um, Anyone know why? Because this guy has had a coming-out party. Bo (sighs) Horvat. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look at the point. Look at the points leaders right now in the postseason. Sebastian Ajo is number one with ten points. McDavid is still somehow number two with nine, and then three, four, and five is Pedersen, Hughes, and Horvat. So those three guys are clicking. Horvat's a man on a mission, and I love the way he plays. Skill guy, but not scared to muck it up. And I love that. I love when you get those skill guys who kind of have that grinder's mentality, and that's exactly what he has. Um, and he was able to show off his skill. I believe it was in game two where actually in game one, he to- he had a toe drag goal and then a snipe on the rush in game one. And then game two, we reposted that clip and my God, that was probably, probably the goal of the playoffs right there with McDavid's against Chicago and the qualifiers. So I think the Canucks are getting it done in six. I originally said seven, but I think they win the night. And then I think blues take game five Canucks win game six. That's my prediction.
2: Wow. So that wraps up uh, all the series that we needed to get, to get y'all updated on. Um, so moving on to the guys that have impressed you and disapp- disappointed you the most. I'm gonna go ahead and get us started. I think my most, the player I'm most impressed with right now, and probably because I've seen what can this guy can do, hand is gonna be Anthony Bovellier from the Islanders. In seven postseason games that he has played this postseason, and that goes back to the qualifiers, he has seven points. I mean, he's a point a game throughout the playoffs, and he is really, really hitting teams where it hurts. Uh, On the opposite end of things, same sort of, you know, recency bias. My most disappointing player is going to be Evgeny Kuznetsov. He has three points in six games this postseason, but he's just not doing what he needs to do, and that's produce. And this guy needs to do a lot more of it. I mentioned this in my little you know, quasi rant earlier. So, um, you know, if, like we said, if the Caps have a chance in hell at getting back into this thing, he's got to have to be uh, at the forefront of that.
3: What about you guys? Um, I'll go next real quick. I think um, my most impressive player so far is actually Miro Heiskanen. We were just talking about him, so I won't talk too long about him, but um, just super impressive defender with an offensive upside. Um, the way he can skate, the way he can move, and the way that he kind of captains that Dallas power play has been really fun to watch. Um, the dude's just like an assist machine, and as I mentioned, he can score breakaway goals too. Um, and then most disappointed. Um, also obviously, I'm gonna pick a Caps player. I was kind of having a hard time deciding on which one because they're all super (laughs) fucking disappointing right now. Um, but. I think I have to settle for um, Jacob Rana. Um This guy, he he's been so good um, for us ever since we won the cup in his first year, and um, I kind of expected him to to be another guy to to really step up when Backstrom is out of the lineup. Obviously, he's not a center, but I feel like he, he can make up for um, a lot of the like just offensive upside that that top six capitals group normally has and um he just you know he I actually thought he looked really bad in game two and I kind of wanted to see him on the third line um for game three they didn't make that adjustment um and you know he had a couple chances to score some big goals and couldn't get it done um I don't know I've just been kind of bummed out watching him play because he's usually really fun to watch so
1: yeah, well, before I give mine, Nick, I told, I told you on the Dean episode that Bevilliers kid is good. I said he was a gamer. I mean, I've seen it so many times against the Pens. Mm-hmm. And then when I watched the Florida series, he was by far the Islanders' best player. He's sick. I mean, he's a fr- former first round pick, I think, in 2000. I'm going to fuck that up. 16, 17, mm-hmm. something like that. But kids got skill, right? Um, so for my most impressive. I had Nazem Kadri, and then the second Kael McCarr scored that goal today, I just couldn't help but change my mind. Um, he's disgusting. And I know he's not leading the defenseman in points like Quinn Hughes is, and there's a lot of debate between who's better of the two. I personally think it's Kael McCarr. And maybe I'm being prisoner of the moment, but if you told me that you think he's the best defenseman in the league, I probably wouldn't say you're crazy. I might not agree with you right off the bat, and I'd probably question it, but he's right there. I mean, he's, he's that good. <laughs> There's no question in my mind. Um, and then the most disappointing, Tyler Sagan. Maybe he's looking at too many FaceTimes with the checks over the interviews, but I don't really know. Um, he was held scoreless throughout the entire playoffs until game four against the Flames, where he had two assists. The fact that he's not scoring goals is a little concerning. Um, I know Stars fans and Stars Twitter has been on him a little bit, so he's definitely going to have to pick it up if the Stars are going to make a deep run and, you know, honestly just get out of the series. So I'd say Makara and Sagan are my two guys. Hopefully
2: the uh, the owner doesn't have to say anything to Sagan for like the third frickin' time.
1: Yeah, I feel like at that point he, you can only push a guy's button so many times, you know?
3: Exactly. I would say, all right, cool, I'm out. Yeah, well, he
1: can just drop the geotag anywhere. He'll be all right.
3: One more thing that I just remembered that I was actually going to mention when we are talking about the Blackhawks, but you guys know how they've been picking, like, three stars after every game, like on NBC and stuff? Yeah. Yes. The other night uh, in, um, in that game where Crawdad, old man Crawdad made 48 saves or whatever, at the end they go, okay, and here are the three stars of the game. All, they literally put Corey Crawford three times. <laughs> and on national television, they had his picture and his name three times for first star, second star, and third star.
1: There you go. I saw it.
3: That was really funny. Yeah,
1: we need a T-shirt with that. <laughs> oh,
3: oh, we're we're getting one
1: with like the with like the um, the bla- what I'm what's it called the Black Hawk that has like the and their logo. He has like the leaves coming off of his
2: the feathers.
1: That, yeah, that. Sorry, <laughs> that's what I meant. Um, with the feathers coming off of old man crawl dog that would be kind of (laughs) cool book it um i hesitate to ask this question based on previous experiences but any last notes
2: no i mean this i think this has been a very helpful uh therapy session for uh those of us that have a impending loss coming so uh i i'm sure the next time that uh people that are listening are hearing my voice. It's going to, you know, the cap season is going to be over. But, you know, hey, let's see what happens. And as I always say, there's a lot of hockey left. So who knows? Damn straight.
1: I apologize to all the listeners on the horrendous pick that I had picking Philly in game two. Yes, I know they got smacked 5-0. You don't need to remind me. I'll be back. I'll be better. I promise.
2: Yeah, when Um, you things can you say you like them and not we because then it's making me look bad <laughs>
1: <laughs> then you go out on the limb and say it. There
3: you go.
2: Um, I will
1: I won't be on vacation this week. Okay, fair enough. You too Mac. <laughs> so good. Um that's about it from us. So thank you guys for listening unfortunately i think the next episode the first round might be over it'll just be ending so we will no longer be having 3 p.m to midnight hockey nights which is kind of sad because i've gotten really used to waking up and be like oh like this is fun i can just watch all day right um but yeah it's it's been a great ride so far can't wait to keep covering things and You know, a little part of me, before we wrap up, just a tiny part of me kind of wants the Caps to get a little bit of life just because all of our viewers are Caps fans. I got a lot of you guys that are Caps fans. I feel for you. I do. It's not fun to get swept by the Islanders. I've been down that road. So I'll show a little sympathy. I'm kind of rooting for the Caps in Game 4 just because I love seeing the drama. But other than that, fuck you guys. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So that'll wrap it up here. Thank you all for listening. And without further ado...
2: Class dismissed.